It's good to be here this morning. And um, yeah, I'm going to draw this morning from the Sermon on the Mount, just one little bit of it. But it's just such a beautiful part of the Gospels. And, you know, it starts with the Beatitudes, and Jesus addresses such an amazing wealth of topics. And um, at the end of chapter 7, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So we have an opportunity to listen to a little part of that today. And um, I think it comes out when you read the whole sermon that Jesus knew hearts. He knew the inside of us. And... David's prayer in in Psalm 139, God knows hearts. Jesus certainly spoke into hearts when he was here on earth and walked among us. And we have his Holy Spirit within us speaking to our hearts now. So we are known better than we know ourselves. But anyway, let's read from Matthew 7, verses 1 to 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all of the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now some of the other versions you may be familiar with talk about beams, logs, boards instead of planks or moats instead of specks. But it's a familiar passage and I wonder can you think of a time when you've been pulled up by it? when it's really challenged you. You know, I've been thinking about this message for quite some time. And um, one morning, after I'd had a bit of preparation under my belt, um, my otherwise very noble husband said something to me that just showed that he didn't get anything. He didn't understand my situation. And I might have said a slightly shorter goodbye that morning. (laughs) And during the day, as I wallowed in just a little bit of self-pity about being misunderstood and being misheard, I I realised that something I had said earlier had clearly showed that I'd misunderstood him too. And um, so it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me as I recognised I need to be working on my own planks rather than noticing his specs. So when he came home later that day, I did say, good afternoon, Mr Speck. I've been, I've been a bit challenged <laughs> um, about my attitude today and um, Mrs Beam passed on her or Mrs Plank passed on her apologies. So I've brought my little object lesson this morning. So as I hold my little bit of decking plank, it's a reminder that I can't see you very well at all from behind here. I stand before you this morning bringing very much an attitude of preaching to myself. I want to share with you some things I have been learning about love, fear and blind spots and see if we can make some progress in throwing off planks. 
As the writer of the Hebrew says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, cars have blind spots. These are the areas on either side of a car that a driver cannot see when they're looking in the rear view mirror or the side view mirrors. Blind spots are why a driver should always turn their head before they change lanes. Um, the capacity to turn the head is part of my driving medical assessments and it's an important, it's an important thing. Psychologists recognise blind spots too. A lack of insight or awareness, often persistent, about a specific area of one's behaviour or personality, typically because recognition of true feelings and motives would be painful. So we've all got some blind spots. I suspect they are part of being human. I don't imagine there's anybody here who has attained that level of perfection that there's not a blind spot there somewhere. And um, I think the subtle ones are often harder to notice. The big obvious sins stand out and they don't tend to fit into our blind spots quite so easily. But it's the subtle attitudes um, that can be harder to notice. So as followers of Jesus, we are called to examine ourselves and our attitudes. Removing planks and dealing with blind spots is an, an important part of growth in any relationship, whether it's in our family, in our workplaces, here in our church, in our community. Um, and I suspect if you wanted me to help you with your spec, you'd rather I didn't have my plank in front of me. It's, <laughs> you'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable. <clears throat> so we need to notice our blind spots and call them out by name. And we need to surrender to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus picked up fairly astutely on the amazing capacity we have as humans to notice each other's faults. Um, so actually, if we're prepared to ask for feedback from others, we have a good way of finding out <laughs> our blind spots. Um, sometimes people feel very free to point them out. Um, but, and feedback in the heat of a discussion is not always helpful. But there's always value in, in asking. If somebody has given you unhelpful feedback, it's an opportunity to later on, when everything's calmed down, to think, oh, I've been thinking about what you said. And is there, is there room for me to grow in that? You know, David set a lovely precedent in acknowledging how well God knew him in Psalm 139. And that is such a resource to us that the psychologists don't have with all the conventional wisdom on dealing with blind spots. Is There's another whole spiritual dimension to this. And um, the psalm that, that um, Kristen read out... David was not afraid of expressing strong emotions. We sort of always wonder whether you miss out those few verses near the end. And they're a bit too scary for us today. But he was certainly prepared to express strong emotions. But he knew that God knew him. And the Passion Translation says, 
Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. It goes on to say, you read my heart like an open book. I wonder if you were writing a psalm like that, what would you notice that God knew about you? And I'm wondering if we can read through that last part, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Just read that through for a moment because I'm wondering if we can say it together as a prayer this morning. I'll give you a chance just to read and then we'll, um, I'll lead off because I think this just so beautifully expresses what's important for us today. So if you feel comfortable, just say aloud with me this prayer. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. I could probably stop there and just leave it at that, but... um. Those powerful words. I wonder what God has revealed to you in the past in response to prayers like that. Are there things that, I guess part of being human is often things that we surrender to God and grow in, we step back into (laughs) and we need to look at the same things over and over again. But sometimes there are new things that we need to become aware of. Um, as I've asked God to search my heart, fear and anxious cares and anxiety seem to be fairly recurring themes for me and, and probably underlie a lot of the struggles that I've had and probably feed a lot of my blind spots. Um, and looking at the greatest commandment, you know, when Jesus was asked by a teacher in the law, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Wow, it seems so straightforward. It's so, so easy just to summarise the whole Old Testament up in, um, in those two laws. But why do we find it so hard? You know, John went over and over Jesus' teaching on loving and loving one another in his Gospels and in his epistles. Um, And he gave us this helpful understanding, and we referred to it in the No Longer a Slave to Fear song, um, Perfect Love. But 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So at its simplest... Fear focuses on me and love focuses on you. When I'm fearful and focusing on me, I'm actually more likely to be irritated by your specs. (laughs) Um, fear, Fear is an unpleasant emotion 
It's caused by the threat of danger, pain or harm. So my focus becomes inward, self-preservation, fight or flight traditionally, or often just a freezing immobilisation. Um, and the threat's not always that big. It may be, it feels big to me. It might be a fear of embarrassment, failure at a task or punishment. And fears often not actually recognise fear as fear. Our bodies and minds are very good at just bypassing the recognition of emotion and going straight to the next emotion or the next tension in our body. Um, so it can be the blind spot that leads to righteous anger, what we think is righteous anger, um, or a need to control a situation, as well as outright hostility sometimes. It's interesting, my father-in-law, Graham Cann, is, is churning out books in his retirement, and um, one of his books on confronting conflict from emotional reaction to thoughtful response, he explains, to feel fearful, anxious or angry is a natural outcome of becoming aware of a threat. To impulsively turn those feelings into unkind, self-indulgent attacks on another is a reaction. To choose, regardless of our feeling, to be gracious, kind and other-centred in our words and behaviours is a response. So we have opportunities to respond in relationship and when I love and respond in love, I'm focusing on you with patience, kindness, gentleness and compassion, finding joy, seeking for peace. It's also speaking up for those who need a voice in our community. And you could be my spouse, my family member, my church family member, my client, the vulnerable and disenfranchised in my community, anybody treated unjustly, people who think, look, behave differently to me, can all be you. It comes back to the who is my neighbour. So I invite you to take an inward look, to think about where fear limits our capacity to love in the way that Jesus calls us to love. In any given situation, am I reacting out of fear? or responding in love. I guess exploring one of mine, I have to acknowledge I have a real fear of making a mistake that's been from a little girl. I like to get it right, right from the start. And I like rules. I like to feel secure when I understand the rules because I'm less likely to make mistakes. Um, so there's clearly something good that can come out of that. It helps me choose to be diligent and careful in what I do. But if my focus becomes, I don't want to make a mistake because I don't want to get in trouble or make the front page of the newspaper or damage my reputation, then my behaviour is actually acting out of fear and represents an unhelpful, hindering blind spot. If I instead recognise the value of the person or the situation I'm in and diligently apply skills for their benefit, I'm loving my, my neighbour. You know, and it's not so much just whether I'm working out of fear or love, 
But working out of fear takes a lot of effort. It's the, the tension side of it is there. So when I'm worried about whether I'm doing the right thing because I'm frightened about getting in trouble or whatever, I'm holding tension in my body, I'm, my mind's going too busy and I'm not focusing truly on the situation in front of me. When I'm working from a process of love and thinking, you know, why am I in this situation? Why has God allowed me to be in this particular situation with this particular person at this time? What am I speaking into that? Then I'm more inclined to recognise that I have the yoke and that yoke is, is easy and the burden is light. So it's a lighter day when I'm focusing on ministering in love rather than ministering out of fear. As churches, we can have blind spots too. Louis spoke recently on Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan and particularly encouraged us to see our role here at UBC as a house of healing. You know, the Levite and the priest Jesus, the Levite and the priest, they were Jews and they, they knew and kept all the right rules. But yet they walked past maybe with fear of contamination, maybe with fear of other robbers. I'm not sure what the fears were that held them back from helping the injured man on the road. But the Samaritan, who according to the Jews, kept all the wrong rules, he didn't show any fear, but acted in perfect love. And it was he who Jesus commended as the one who showed love to his neighbour. It's a challenge for us because so many rules or doctrine-based issues have fear on both sides of a debate. Now, as I worked through um, my own understanding to the role of women in church, I wouldn't be here now if I hadn't done some serious working through on that because it's not the perspective I came from. Um, so one of the things that helped me realise I could have a different perspective, I mean, I did all the diligent verses to, for and against and all the arguments, but, you know, it dawned on me that the Apostle Paul, who had taken such pains to preach grace over legalism, would be horrified to know how much the church had applied his letters with all the legalism of the law. If the whole law could be summed up in those two great commandments to love God and love our neighbours, I think we have something to learn about how we interpret the epistles. There needs to be a focus on the bigger picture of kingdom rather than the legalism of laws. So today, I think I've looked more at some of the challenges than solutions, but I'm really encouraging you to ask God sincerely to reveal things in you that need attention. Having healthy relationships where feedback is welcome is important. As we've pointed out, others are very good at noticing our mistakes. Um, but making a commitment to allow God to work in us allows us to be in a better position to minister to others as fellow travellers on a journey. As I said before, I think you probably are more likely to ask advice from somebody 
who's not walking around with their plank. So it does, it's good for us to all remember that we have, we have planks in front of our eyes, we have blind spots. Prayer is just so important in this process of unlocking what is hidden. Um, I love the focus this morning, Jenny, on just recognising that God uses others to minister in prayer with words of encouragement that just reassure us that we are, that God is ministering in our situation. Um, Prayer is an encounter, a conversation. It's not just talking and asking. It's about just seeking God to show himself to us. I keep coming back to Louis' acronym. Um, Pray is to pause, rest, attend and yearn. And um, some of my recent lessons have been learned from that hammock. Roger had a ha- has a hammock on the desk, and I've never really appreciated hammocks. But after some surgery earlier in the year, and then with COVID, I have just found that a really blessed place to be. To just, I don't try and read. I don't try and do anything else. I just stop and be still, and trust that God meets me and reveals Himself to me. Pause, rest, attend, and yearn. How often do we take time to allow God to really search our hearts and be open to what he's asking us to to attend to? (laughs) And it comes back to that yearning to be in true connection with him, yearning to just know him as he knows me is powerful. There's a lot about this pausing, resting, attending and yearning that is about being in God's presence and not stuck with doing and racing and ticking off boxes. And now it's easy to be critical of myself and critical of others if we're not doing all the things that there seems to be an endless list of things to be done. But being is so important and we need to make sure we have that space to be and to just attend to what God is saying to us individually and collectively. So I encourage you to spend the time in prayer individually but also praying together, looking for growth in life groups, in our prayer meetings. We have our encounter service this afternoon And you're also most welcome to seek prayer after the services if there's something God is laying on your heart. So as we come to a close, I'm going to just read through without much comment um, something about our values. You know, here at UBC, we are committed to core values which define us as a community of believers and shape our personal attitudes as we grow together in faith, hope and love. Notice fear is not one of our values. (laughs) Our values are faith, hope and love. So as we go through them, some of them will stand out to you, some of them we've touched on this morning. But faith calls us to live in the reality that Jesus is central to our identity, belief and behaviour to explore the truths of God as revealed in the Bible, 
to surrender to the transforming work of the, God, of the Holy Spirit, to live expectantly in God's purpose for you and me. Hope leads us to celebrate and share God's love through worship and service, be real in thought, word and action, to cultivate hearts of gratitude and generosity, to be forward-looking in all that we do, to live lives of personal discipleship and to be a missional community. Love, a lot of this rings true for today. Love impels us to care for ourselves and others as Jesus cares, to listen to and learn from each other, to seek forgiveness and extend mercy, to embrace unity in diversity to discern the will of God together and to act at all times with courage and humility. So as we close, I have one more reading for you, a lot of words, but um, I'm going to go back to the passage that we looked at in Colossians last year from Colossians 3 and I'll just read it to you. It's not on the screen, but it says... Paul says to them, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it all as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know us so deeply. You know us so well. And Father, we yearn to be like you. We yearn to just know you more and more and grow more and more like you. So Father, continue to teach into our hearts, reveal the things that need attention and just do that in love as we know you do. Father, we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.